following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Well, the fourth, fifth graders are taking off. Um, would you turn to your Bibles to the book of Romans? Uh, we are done with chapter 12, moving into 13. And you know it's going to be an interesting day when there's a disclaimer on your notes that, this, that says this may hurt a little bit. <laughs> so uh, a couple of people pointed that out to me this morning. They're like, what's going to hurt? Well, we have some shock therapy set up, and the uh, ushers are going to come, and they're just going to give you a little spark um, this morning. Everybody's like, I'm out. <laughs> Are you guys awake this morning? No, Jordan, we're not. We're not awake at all. Uh, if you are uh, a first-time guest here, we're glad that you're here this morning. This is not my normal footwear that I normally wear on Sundays. Uh, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow, and uh, hopefully this thing goes the way of the buffalo, okay? Um, so we're praying that this little boot goes Old Testament and uh, isn't... isn't and grace would abound in the muck house. Um, but yeah, we're in Romans 13. And the reason that uh, this is such a weighty sermon is that sometimes uh, when the Bible speaks to us, it hurts not physically, but it hurts um, emotionally because the Holy Spirit is convicting us and he's moving us to think. And when we talk about respecting authorities and things like that, it is not popular. As a matter of fact, in a lot of churches around America, even around the world, we get to some of the difficult passages of the Bible and we skip over them uh, instead of embrace them. And so what we want to do at Community Gospel Church is we want to sing really loud to Jesus and make sure that he hears our praises. We want to give to him, but we also want to teach his word, all 66 books of it, and not skip over some things and make sure that we're applying it in our everyday lives because what we do as Christians uh, is something that the world is looking at and they're watching us and they're not just watching what we do, they're watching what we say. And so it's very, very important for us as a church and a church family to pay attention to God's word and let the Holy Spirit speak and instruct in our lives. Amen. I mean, we want him to, to do that, to mold us and to shape us. And sometimes that's not popular, and sometimes that hurts a little bit, but it's what we have to do. And if we can, church family, get to the point where we are comfortable doing what's awkward, we will have the ability to see an unsaved world come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and grow in that faith, as well as us grow in that faith. So we want to do that, okay? Um, before we start any teaching, uh, we need to pray and make sure uh, that God would really bless uh, not only the preaching of his word, but the ability to apply it as well. So let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the God of the universe, a God who heals, a God who hears uh, the voice of the afflicted, those who are uncomfortable, and those who are trying to obey what your word says. And so we come before you this morning as sons and daughters of the Most High King in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask that as Jesus is our mediator, that you would intercede right here on our behalf and that you would come and you would speak to every single person who is gathered here this morning 
according to what your word says. I thank you so much that this is not my words, but it's your words, and you're just asking us to clarify so that we have the ability to implement. And God, I pray um, that you would give us the ability to realize the importance of this passage of Scripture. And we thank you that we have the honor and the privilege of gathering here in this place, that people aren't at our door uh, begging um, uh, and, and pushing us to stop this gathering. But we live in a place where it's, it's welcoming and, and we have the ability to gather and to teach your word. So in our hurrying, God, and in our planning and in our preparation and our fixing and organizing in our busy lives, we ask this morning that you would help us to stop for just a moment and to think and to question and to ponder on what we are to do with this word and how can we be obedient to you first? How can we lay aside and remove perception so that you can be at the center of our lives, so that you can be in control of all things, so that we can have joy and peace and patience. We can be kind and loving to this world. Well, we're gathered in this house, God. I pray even as we kind of lost an hour of sleep last night, that those little uh, tiny voices in our head that distract us from hearing what your word has to say, I pray that those would be silent. And I pray that we would just hear your voice and we would hear very clearly from your word and have the ability to walk in these truths and know that they're possible. Um, our congregation, God, has disappointments and heartaches. There are situations and circumstances that are in all of our lives that we feel um, just helpless. And I pray that the requests of our people that are being prayed up and, and, and that are being said even here today, you would hear their voices and answer their prayers. I pray that you would help us to be encouraged this morning as we gather as your people. Encourage us to know that it was worth it that we got up this morning and assembled in your house. Help us to know that it's worth it when we are obedient to what your word says. God, we love you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the free gift of salvation, the offering, and the acceptance to be called the children of the Most High God. What a privilege. All God's people said, Amen. Good to, good, to, good, to, good to be a Christian today. Amen. Woo! I'm excited. All right. Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. And we're going to try to be awkwardly obedient this week. All right? Look at your neighbor or your spouse and say, I want you to be awkwardly obedient this week. All right. Good. I got to keep you guys awake this morning. <laughs> that hour just... Draining, draining, draining. All right. Proverbs, or in Romans 13, Paul is the author of the book of Romans. I don't know if you knew that or not, but Paul is an apostle. Paul was one who was a Jew. He was very, very educated in what the Bible had to say according to the Old Testament. He knew it backwards and forwards. And as a Jew, what happens is Jesus meets him on this road called to, uh, to Damascus, and he confronts him, and he says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul essentially has a big old question mark over his head. He says, I don't know. And he says, I don't want you to persecute me anymore anymore. 
I want you to preach about me. Strikes him blind for three days. He goes off with the disciples. They go through kind of this process with him. And all of a sudden, Paul turns from a Jew who persecutes Christians to one who praises Jesus and makes him popular among the nations. And so Paul is important to us as Christians because we see somebody who was the opposition become somebody who is all about making Christ known in all of his communities. We get to Romans 13, and Paul's going to build on Romans 12. If you missed those sermons, they're online, check them out. And Romans 12 essentially tells us that we are to be transformed as Christians. We are to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, making sure that we're in one accord, in unity together. We have responsibilities, is what Paul says, not only to each other, but now in Romans 13, he says, you also, church, Christian, have responsibilities to the governing authorities. That's like politicians. Who likes politicians? John likes politicians. All right, good. He says, regardless of whether or not you like it, it's the way it should be. And all governments are in power due to divine intervention of God. Before we even start with the passage of Scripture, we have to understand that everybody who is in power is in power underneath God's control. Oh, praise the Lord, right? He says to us that our charge is to be submissive as Christians. For some reason in our culture, submissive is a bad word. It was not a bad word in the Bible. It was a trait of Christians who were following after Jesus. And in the New Testament, when Romans was written, Rome was in a place where the whole Roman Empire was ruled. I mean, it was, it was governed. It was much like we have today. <laughs> it's fascinating to think the parallels between the Bible and today. Sometimes we get there and we go, whoa, hey, go back a second. We're not at number one yet. Hold on a second. Rome was ruled and governed, thank you, according, uh, very much similar to how Washington, D.C. and the United States operates, okay? Very, very similar. So if you're looking at Romans 13 and you're thinking to yourself, this has no implications for us in the country that we live in, you're, you're, you're wrong. Because it has very, very, very many parallels between how our society is governed and how Rome was governed. And so while Christians were followers of Jesus, what was happening in that day is they were essentially looking to the government and saying, hey, forget about you. We're going to live how we want to live, and we could care less what your laws are. We're going to do what we want to do because our ruler is Jesus. And Paul's looking at it and going, whoa, nobody's coming to the Lord with that attitude. Ouch, I told you it's going to hurt. So Paul says that, yeah, there's some bad seeds in there, Those people are put into authority by God, whether good or bad, and he's in control of all things. Now, before we start with number one, I know we're getting jumpy here for a second. There's a ruler there. His name is Nero. Nero who? Say Nero who. Okay. A ruler named Nero reigned from A.D. 54 to A.D. 68, and he was not very fond of Christians. Sounds familiar? It is believed that Nero had captured Christians, he dipped them in oil, and he set them on fire in his garden at night as a source of light. Nice guy. I mean, hated Christians. There was a rise that was coming up in Rome of the hatred of Christianity, and so they started killing Christians. And this Nero guy, who's a gem, 
dips them in oil, and lights them on fire, and has parties where people are present to watch this happen. Why is this so important? Paul knew there was a problem. Because the people were going the way that the people wanted to go instead of following. How are we supposed to follow somebody who is like that? And Paul understood that Christians were were first and foremost citizens of heaven. But then underneath that, they were citizens of Rome. And so how were the people to respond to a government and civil rulers when they hated Christianity? Good question. So Paul focuses on being living sacrifices, being awkwardly obedient in three ways. Number one, you already got it. is that they should be submissive to the powers that be. In Romans chapter 13, Paul's first charge to the Christians and how to be awkwardly obedient, it's not popular. And the people would have looked at him and they would have scratched their heads. Paul, are you serious? Be submissive to the powers that be. Romans chapter 13, go there in your Bibles. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. What? For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Four, verse three. Rulers are not a terror of good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his, which would be God's approval. What's Paul getting at here? Everyone is to be submissive to the governing authorities. That is not popular. It's not popular. He says, essentially here, if we were to break down that original Greek, because the Bible's written in Greek, In the New Testament, if he breaks it down, he says that that essentially turns over into higher authorities, those who are above you, because God has established those authorities. Now, if you're reading that, and you were a Jew or a Gentile that day, you would have been reminded of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4, verse 17 says this. I'll read it to you. Everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even the lowliest of people. Oh, man. So even in the Old Testament, okay, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are the law, God's law. Then all of a sudden we have the history of the Jewish people, God's favorite people. He loves them. And they go up and they do what God wants them to do. And they they go down because they don't do what God wants them to do. Then they go back up again and then they go back down again. And God's like, hey, why are you happy? Because we're doing what you want us to do. Why are you unhappy? Because we're not doing what you want us to do. That's the history of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. And they would look at that and they would say, even when kings and kingdoms were set up that seemed to be going the totally opposite direction, away from God, the people knew, even from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God is still in control. What does that mean? Even how corrupt and unstable things get in our society today, God is still in control. You need to know that. We need to understand as Christians, as a community and individually, when we look at things on Facebook feeds or Google it or whatever, how we get our information from the newspapers, etc., we look at things from the lens and say, God is in control. And he will, according to Romans 3, have his wrath on those that are ungodly. They looked at Daniel. They knew that. Not only Daniel 4.17, they knew Daniel 4.25. 
The most high God rules over the kingdoms of the world and he gives uh, them to anyone he chooses. He rules, he reigns, he's in control. And he has to give man the opportunity to choose whether or not he will do the will and the work of God or choose to reject the will and the work of God. Why? Because if man does not have a choice, it is not true worship. Correct? Why does God give us a choice? It doesn't make any sense to me. Why would he give me a choice? He gives me a choice because he says, worship has to be pure. And you must make the choice on whether you will serve the Lord or you will serve yourself. Isn't that amazing for us, even sitting in the seats and in, in, in the pews this morning? We have a choice of whether or not who we will serve. To rebel against the authority in that day was to rebel against or stake a stand against what God had instituted. Now, God wants him, his people to do his part. He was like, hey, I want you to participate and do your part. And I want you to make sure that you're, you're actively getting involved. But I also want you to understand that you cannot rebel against this stuff. People are watching you. People are looking at you. And he says, if we are to rebel publicly, then what is happening is the public is looking at us and people are looking at us and we are essentially welcoming divine wrath upon ourselves. In other words, what Paul would say to us is, you are part of the problem and not a part of the solution. To those who obeyed the law, though, and to do what was right, should not be afraid of the authorities. Look at what he says. He says, you shouldn't be afraid of these people. You should help these people. Driving down a country road, a man came to a narrow bridge. (laughs) In front of the bridge, there was a sign, and it was posted, yield. That means you may or may not stop. (laughs) Slow down. Seeing no oncoming cars, he continued across the bridge to his destination. And on the way back, he came to the same one-lane bridge and from the other direction this time. And to his surprise, he saw a yield sign posted. Curious, he thought. I'm sure there was one posted on the other side. When he reached the other side of the bridge, he looked back. And sure enough, the yield signs had been placed on both ends of the bridge. Drivers from both directions were requested to give a right-of-way. It was a reasonable and gracious way of presenting a head-on collision. What are we getting at? When the Bible commands Christians to be subject to one another, Ephesians 5, and be subject to the governing authorities, it is simply a gracious command to let the other have the right of way and avoid an interpersonal head-on collision. In other words, what the Bible is telling us is we are to listen and respond. Listen and respond. The interesting thing is when we get in conflicts with what's going on in our communities, we listen and respond with ourselves instead of listen and respond to God's, with God's word. How many times is it our opinions that are coming across the table instead of what God's word comes across the table? And so here in verses 4 and 5, what Paul is saying is higher authorities are God's servants. And wouldn't it be amazing if us as a community looked at those people and said, hey, I didn't know if you knew this or not, but you are God's servant leading our country. When's the last time we just brought something to light that you who are in authority are God's servant? This is what the Bible says. And God holds you to a standard. So, Paul, how am I supposed to act? You still didn't answer the question. There's corruption all over the world. What am I supposed to do? 
First and foremost, you have a couple of lines there, and you can write this in. First thing is, you can write underneath point one, is that we are to always do what's right. Always, always, always do what's right. How do we know what's right? God's word tells us what is right. The only time that we would go against the authorities of the day is when they say to do something that is contradictory to the word of God. Period. In the New Testament, the disciples are at a dividing point. The people come up to them and they say, we think that what you're doing is divisive. They say, what do you mean? They look at the disciples, they say, you're teaching and things like that. It is divisive. And we don't think that you should be doing these things. And their response to them is, we understand what you're saying and we get it. They listened. But far be it from us to stop preaching the word of God. We can't do it. It, 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 just, it just wouldn't work. And so, in the message, in verse 3 of Romans 13, verse 3, it says, Do you want to be on good terms with the government? Then be a responsible citizen, and you'll get on just fine. The government is working to your advantage. Paul, I don't know if you know about our government or not. And he says back to us, I don't know if you know about how our government was. And so that rings true for us, is that we are to be on good terms by being responsible citizens. And by being responsible citizens, we are submitting to the powers that be, but we're not going against what God's word says. Second thing, not only are we supposed to do right, but we're supposed to do good. Proverbs tells us that our good works cover offenses. In the message of verse 4, the message translation of the Bible, it says, if you're breaking the rules right and left, you need to watch out. The police aren't there just to be admired for their uniforms. (laughs) That's an interesting verse. It would also say that politicians and, and people like that aren't just there for their attire. They're not just there for their status. We are to do what's good and do what is right according to the powers that be. The only time that we object the system is when it goes against the word of God. And our communities look at us and go, there's something different about that person. I know that what they're thinking right now is this isn't right and I disagree with this. But as a Christian underneath God's authority and I understand that he's in control, I know that I need to be submissive here. And we do it all the time, don't we? I mean, we stop at stop signs. We're being submissive to our governing authorities in those motions. But what about the bigger things? I would add one more to that. We're not only to do what's right and do what's good, we are to pray continually and constantly. Paul is one who has massive amount of meetings with the governing authorities. He sits down with them constantly. And the thing that always Paul pulls out is, I know now how to pray for this person. With the media and the coverage and all the things that we have going on in our world right now, we know how to pray for our politicians and our president, right? I mean, I got a list. And Paul says, do what's right, do what's good. Pray for those people. Be submissive. Why? Why are you to be dismissive? Because we don't want to... Enter into the punishment of God, first and foremost. I told you this wasn't popular. Two, because we want to make sure that we're obeying God's laws. And seeing that the authorities are there, are set up underneath his command and his control, and so we obey them. 
So let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. We don't want that. Verse 3, Romans 13. For rulers are not a terror of, to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what's good, and you will receive God's approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because here comes the wrath of God. He will bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Look at verse 5. Therefore, Paul says this a lot, therefore. And we understand what's it there for. Therefore, one must be in subjection. We got that. Not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of our conscience. I know that what I did was right. I know that what I did was true. I know that what I did is something that God would look at and he would smile upon. Six, why? For because of this, also pay your taxes. Bummer. Right? I mean, it's almost April. It's amazing how the the Bible lines up with what we got going on. For because of this, you also pay your taxes. For authorities are ministers of God attending to the very thing. Pay all what is owed. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. You mean they had taxes in the Old Testament? Yeah. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Point two is easy. What is it? Pay your what? Pay your taxes. One would think that this is a given, right? Be submissive to authority. And then Paul gives us a great example of how we are to be submissive to authority. Pay your taxes. Ugh. But it's often questioned. If we are citizens of heaven, why in the world do I pay taxes? I paid my tithe, God. I don't really want to pay my taxes. Amen? And he says, because... It is your responsibility to a higher authority, and it is more than just obeying the law. Again, we go back to the heart issue. It includes supporting through the paying of taxes. If you don't like it, Australia, I hear, has got great weather right now. China's doing all right, from what I gather. Maybe, maybe not. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus' words, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. So, church... How are we to line up with being obedient to God's word? Good question. I pay my tithe. Why? Because all money is God's money. I give it to him first. He's the one that gives me all these things. He's the one that blesses me in all these ways. Jordan, I don't have a whole lot of money. Doesn't matter. Jordan, I have tons of money. Doesn't matter. It's giving out of the heart. You want to be obedient to Jesus Christ? Start with being obedient with your money. Money has a huge reflection of your heart. I told you this was going to hurt. If I were to open up your checkbook and look at your budget and walk through some of those things, I could tell you right where your heart is at. I could say, man, this is, this is important to you, this is important to you, this is important to you, this is important to you. And God looks at us and he says, I want you to be faithful stewards with your money. First and foremost to, the, to me, secondly to the government, and third, have fun. The rest is yours. Albert Einstein, smartest man ever in the universe, supposedly, said, of all the things in this universe, the most difficult thing to understand is the income tax. (laughs) I'll read it again. Of all the things in the universe, the most difficult thing to understand is income tax. Amen. 
If we have accountants here today, Lord bless you. You have a gift from God. Amen. And here's the thing, church. Can I just be honest with you? I don't understand the tithe. I don't understand my taxes. But I do understand the word of God says that I have to do both. And it is my job to be either submissive to God's word or to reject against it. Now, here's the crazy thing. If we go back to Malachi chapter 3, Christianity's foundation is that you would test these things. No other religion in the world says test these things. If we were a cult, we'd be like, give us all your money and don't ask questions. But that's not how it works. The Bible specifically tells us, test these things. See what happens. Test and see if the Lord is good. You want to see if God is good? I dare you to start singing to him. You want to see if God is good? I dare you to start giving to him. You want to see if God is good? I dare you to start being obedient to what his word says. I dare you. You want to be obedient to God's word? I dare you to start giving and paying your whole taxes. Paul, not popular. That hurts and stings a little bit. But why would he say that? Why would he say such a thing? Because Christians are subject to both God and their government. And we have political and spiritual responsibilities within that. Now, there's two groups of the day. The Pharisees and the Herodians were amazed that Jesus was submissive to a higher power and to the government. It's amazing if you study the New Testament groups that were around the biggest thing that they would have found as just a complete confusion was that Jesus was submissive by paying his taxes. If you are the king of heaven and earth, why do you pay your taxes? Because God says so. Jesus himself does it and shows his submissiveness and he shows his support to the community. This made people even more follow this church interested in Christianity. You want to make somebody really tune their ears in? Say, like, hey, man, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? It means I give to the local church. It means I pay my taxes. What'd you say? It means I'm faithful with both of those things. It's interesting that Paul would bring that up. Let's, be, let's, let's get somewhere with this. Romans chapter 13, verse 7. He says this, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom are owed, and then revenue to whom revenue is due. Now watch this, there's a B side to it. We just break down passages of scripture that way. Sometimes there's an A side, sometimes there's a B side. B side, what is the B side? Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to who honor is owed. Did you catch that? Paul says, let's take it a step further as a church. And ultimately what he's saying is, respect, number three, write this down, authority. He says, respect here means reverence. It's no easy job to be a leader. And let me tell you what, if you're a good leader, not even even more of a hard job. But understanding that we're God's servants and being a higher authority is no easy task. And some of our leaders who are really doing a good job, good godly people, are giving their full-time support and striving after these things. And Paul says we should respect that. Now here's the crazy thing. It tears down. Because some of us look at it and we go, Jordan, I can walk out of this door and I can respect authority, the government, all that other stuff. I'm still going to complain about it. I don't care what you say, but I'm still going to complain about it. 
but it tears down. So those of you who are in the workplace, this would go to your boss. Those of you who are in places of employment, would go to the people who are above you. See, Paul says, we don't just respect the government and submissive to them. We respect all authority. Well, what about, what are some of them? Well, let me give you a list, and you can write down whatever you want to write down, but here's some God-ordained authorities that are outlined in Scripture. Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, obviously talks about the government. Ephesians 6, 1 Peter 2, talks about our employers, the people who provide for us job-wise. Wives, you're not going to like this, but 1 Peter 3, Colossians 3, and Ephesians 5 all talks about husbands. And we should be a good one. We should be a good husband. We should be a good employer. We should be good government. Ephesians 6 talks about parents. Hard one for us as a church. Hebrews 13 talks about elders. Paul says, I don't want you to be corrupt. I want you to be good. I love the Abraham Lincoln quote. Whatever you are, be a good one. I would scratch that. Whatever you are, be a godly one. Godly elders, godly parents, godly husbands, godly wives, godly employers, so that we would have a godly government. Paul says that while we know these things, and and while that sometimes it wouldn't even be how we envision this stuff, we must give the reverence or respect to those higher authorities. Look what he says. Go back to verse 7. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Even when it's not popular. So my, my questions, I have two of them. How would we want to be treated if it was us in those places of authority? Would we want to be ridiculed and railed on? Or would we want to be respected and honored? And let me tell you something, this isn't always easy, right? It's not, it's not easy, it's not popular. But we can't pass over it, church. We can't just go from Romans 12 to Romans 14. <laughs> Paul wrote this for a reason, and the reason is so that our communities would know that we are Christians and we live differently. And as we talked about last week, it's a little awkward, isn't it? He says it's going to be a little awkward that you're subjecting yourself to a government. But it's not a little awkward when we're subjecting ourselves to a government that is under God's control. Because we're praying people. Or paying your taxes. All of your taxes. Not skimping on some of those things, but paying the whole thing. And respecting authority. Respecting those who are in authority. Let me ask you just a really hard question. Who's in authority right now, whether it be in your workplace or even your home, who you are not giving the respect that they deserve. And why would I give that person respect? Because when you do, for one of those, is what Jesus told us, when you do one of those for the least of these, you did it for whom? You did it for me. The God of the universe. You did it for Jesus Christ. And so, that is how, partially, people look at us and no, we are Christians. We're living sacrifices. We're holy and pleasing to God. We're in this act of submission. That's a hard sermon to preach. That's no fun. How do I be awkwardly obedient? Be submissive to the powers that be. Pay your taxes. Respect authority.
As we close this morning, uh, I want you to just think about that in your life. Government, employees, husbands, parents, elders, etc., etc., so on and so forth. Where are you being submissive? And where are you not? Where are you coming underneath and loving people who, let's just be honest, are unlovely? (laughs) If you would, would you just put your Bibles to the side for just a minute? And would you just think with me for that, for just a couple moments? Maybe it's your supervisor, your boss. I don't know who that is. Wives, maybe it's your husband's. Maybe you're having a hard time submitting to that authority because you looked at it for so long that it is not good and that I shouldn't be doing these things. Husbands, stop putting your elbow in your wife's side. Or maybe it's the propaganda that's been being posted. Or maybe it's the things that you're screaming so loudly against God looks at you and says, but how can we contribute to make a change for what's good? Because a community is watching. They're looking at us and they're wondering, what are you all about? And it's funny, if we were to close with this, it's interesting that Paul is the person who is dramatically persecuting the church. And no doubt in their mind, the Christians are gathered in homes and they're thinking to themselves, how do we stop Paul? He is going to ruin and ravage the church. (laughs) He's going to burn it down. How do we stop this guy? He knows so much. He's so knowledgeable. He knows the system really well. What do we do? And I can just imagine one person standing there and going, we pray. And so these little group of Christians gather in this home and gather in homes all across. And they say, God, We need you to understand that we are under immense persecution and there's rulers like Nero who are gathered, who are lighting us literally on fire so that he can have light for his parties. And we're persecuted, God. What do we do? Can you prove to us that you are in control? Can you do that? And all of a sudden, I can imagine Peter or John or whoever knocking on the door to the house. And he says, you're never going to. You're going to say, what? Paul was walking on the road to Damascus, and Jesus struck him blind. What? So what happened? Tell us the rest of the story. He says, Jesus not only struck him blind, we took him to our house and we fed him. And we started talking to him about what great God this is. And now he preaches for us. Now he preaches the gospel of reconciliation that we have received. That who was against us is now for us because the power of the one who is in control. Let's pray that this morning. Father God, there's corruption stemming all the way from the top down. We know that. We see that. We want to be submissive to it, God. We, we really do, but it's hard sometimes because there's so many of those things that we look at as fallacies and we would say to ourselves, how am I to follow that as a Christian? And so, God, those who are really corrupt and those leaders that are in places um, that are causing division and hindering the gospel from being advanced, we would pray that you would strike them blind. We would pray, God, that it's your word that would sink into their hearts and that those who oppress you and persecute you 
and the highest forms of our government would turn and praise you. God, would you help us be a nation, one nation under you, God the Father, the ruler of the universe. Would you help us to return to seek your face? And as we go from the very top down, we pray for the husbands here who are abusing their power as spouses. Strike them blind. May they see that it's not their words that are important. It's your words that are important. Help them see the importance of implementing scripture in the home. We pray for the parents here who are parenting their kids in ungodly ways. We pray that you would strike them blind with the word this morning and that they would be husbands and wives who are teaching your word and giving them the opportunity to follow after that truth. God, we pray for us who are in the workplace, our bosses who are wearing thin on us. It's so hard to submit to them every single day we go in, God, and we just think to ourselves, I just want to give up. I'm not having any impact in in the factories. I'm not having any impact in the office place. I'm not having any impact in my cubicle. I'm not having any impact on the road. But we know people are watching. Help us be submissive to that. I think this word is so true this morning. I think it rings so clear to us as you call us as Christians to love one another the way that you loved us. And those people who are against you, I pray that you strike them blind. And that they would honor you and they would love you and praise you. And that when that moment happens, God, we would have the opportunity to speak back into their life the truths of Scripture and validate that we all were once blind, but now we see. And we love you and we thank you for such a great gift of grace. And all God's people said. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 